Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always pleasing in your sight. Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> it was easy for me to get lost in this world. And when I was younger, I thought lost meant not having the right answers or doing the right things. Later, I realized that it was something else. And that explained why everyone, whether they are young or old, rich or poor, can get lost so easily sometimes. To be lost is to be disconnected from your true identity, that of God's beloved. When I was little, my mom was hit by a drunk driver and spent a lot of time in the hospital, and I didn't really have a nurturing parent around to model God's love for me. And my parents then got a divorce. And in that vacuum, a whole lot of the world rushed in. And I never really felt beloved. And I had very few glimpses of what that would even feel like to feel God's grace. I happened to stumble upon it at church one day where I came looking for answers. And that's the first place I ever experienced what it was like to be the beloved. And I know that my story is really all of our stories. We struggle to find a sense of being loved and cherished just for who we are in this world. And each time we face a loss or a rejection, it seems to amplify what the world has taught us about ourselves, that we're not really worth it, and that we should be abandoned and rejected. And that is our number one great fear, that we aren't really welcomed in this world. And it is also our death fear, because we fear that we won't really be welcomed in the next life either. The great priest, professor, and spiritual writer Henry Nouwen is known for his many books. But I think that's why his best-selling and most popular book, The Legacy That He Left, and the focus of his ministry in the last years of his life was about the life of the beloved. That was the title of his best-selling book, Life of the Beloved. He wrote it to a Jewish friend of his who was, had asked him to explain his faith in simple and straightforward terms. And when he thought about it, he realized that the essence and core of Jesus's life and teaching was his belovedness. Jesus showed us that all people, believers and non-believers, are beloved by God unconditionally. Not just the ones with the right answers, not the ones who are living their best life, not the ones with the right clothes and the right cars, and no matter in the world where they are from. Everyone are sinners and are beloved by God. He came to seek and to save the lost, those of us who had forgotten or had never been told of our belovedness. In an interview, Henry Nouwen said that he believed the central moment in Jesus's public ministry is his baptism in the Jordan, which is our passage today. When Jesus heard the affirmation, you are my beloved son on whom my favor rests. And he's got a different translation that he's working from, but he's quoting our passage today. He said that is the core experience of Jesus. Jesus is reminded in a deep, deep way who he is. And I think his whole life is continually claiming that identity in the midst of everything. Have you ever met people like that? They're rare. They're few and far between. People who are assured of their belovedness. They don't act like the rest of us. They aren't tossed on the waves of emotion like the rest of us are, who are caught up in what I call our little projects of significance. Those things that we do to try and prove to the rest of the world that we are worthy of love. 
If someone rejects or thwarts my little project of significance, I might react with anger and frustration. And when that happens, I know that I am not anchored to the truth of my identity as God's beloved. But I think about presiding Bishop Michael Curry. Have you ever watched videos of him talking? Wow, like, it's like lightning in a bottle, you know? I have spent time with him, and I can tell you that that joy that comes across in his preaching and in his videos, it is not just for show. That is who he is, even when the cameras are off. And I don't think anyone would be able to convince him that he isn't a beloved child of God. He knows Jesus too well, and he is too well anchored to that truth. Or there's my friend Janet. She has run in two different bishop elections and was not selected either time. And in both cases, she put out a statement that was so grace-filled and loving as she prayed for those dioceses that did not pick her to be their bishop, that it, I'm sure it made some of them doubt their decision. Her belovedness shines through. She's unshakable. Right now, the diocese she currently works in is embroiled in a desperate legal battle. And she has been put in a position where her people don't have enough resources and there is nothing that she can do about it. I can't imagine the pain of being in that situation. But it's been that way for years now as the slow moving wheels of justice turn. But after the last court hearing, it was reported that her and her people were seen laughing and feasting at a restaurant downtown. And that has become an image of God for me, them feasting on what seems to be the end of their world. Not winning, no end in sight, but still enjoying each other and living in love. They are unshakable people, those beloved people. I'm sure we have some people like that among us today. And that's what we do every time we gather here on Sunday and we partake of the feast at this table. We come here every week for communion while the rest of the world struggles to realize their belovedness. Something else happens at Jesus' baptism before the voice of God says, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Scripture says that when Jesus was baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. We are given God's spirit at baptism, and that means we're empowered with God's power to know and experience that belovedness and to tell others about the love that God has for them. And more than that, we are given power to love others with God's love. And that, my friends, is the hope of this world. We are people who love imperfectly. We fall short, but God's love for us is complete and it's perfect. Imbued with that kind of power, with that kind of love, we might just change the world. Henry Nouwen said that there is something else about that fear that we all carry around, the fear that we really aren't welcomed in this life. He says it is, it's that deep-seated fear that is telling you that maybe it's better that you hadn't lived. And here you are facing the core of the spiritual battle, he says. Are you going to live and give in to the forces of darkness that say that you are not welcome in this life? Or can you trust the voice of the one who came not to condemn you, but to set you free from fear? You have to choose life. At every moment, you have to decide to trust the voice that says, I love you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I love you, and this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. In Jesus, God comes alongside us, even to the point of joining us 
in this rite of repentance and renewal that we call baptism. That part was shocking to John the baptizer. It's why he wasn't just reluctant, but downright perplexed and disoriented when Jesus approached him and said, I too want to be baptized by you. He protests, wait a minute, hold on, shouldn't it be the other way around? But that's just it. Jesus came to turn all of our religious thinking on its head. The one with whom God is well pleased doesn't so much come from on high. He is Emmanuel. He tabernacled with us. He comes from alongside us, truly standing with us in solidarity. So that in the end, our baptism isn't only by Jesus. It is also, as the Eucharistic prayer says, it is in him and with him. And the last important thing to note about Jesus' baptism is that the Spirit descended on him as a dove and it alighted on him. In other versions, it says it remained on him, it stayed. And since we are in Jesus' baptism, it stays on us too, no matter what. No matter what you have done, no matter what has been done to you, no matter what has happened, it stays. You can't lose the fact that God is with you and you are never alone. To emphasize that point, Matthew puts it at the end of his gospel this way, these words from Jesus. Remember, I am with you always. Everything Jesus says to you can be summarized in these words. Know that you are welcome. In this life and in the next, in Jesus' life, Jesus offers his own most intimate life with the Father. You are loved and you are welcome. And so this week, let's concentrate on drawing nearer to God to experience that love and what it's like to be called the beloved. Once we have a sense of it, let us anchor ourselves to it and carry that message out into the world. Let us pray. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan, proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Grant that all who are baptized in his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you in the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen.